0: in conversation this is Amanda and I'm here with Charles Daniel and we're going to talk a little bit about forestry a little bit about tech a little bit about our careers and uh, entrepreneurship and everything in between welcome Charles hi okay um, do you want to do a quick introduction of yourself?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, I was born in a small village, St. Edouard de in northwest in Quebec. I was born and raised on a farm. And we uh, basically, uh, at the age of 13, sold the farm, moved to southern Ontario, didn't speak a word of English. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, basically... Um, You know, uh, I always wanted to come back north, and uh, one day uh, I came up to to Miskaming, Quebec, where my parents were, and um, there was this mill that was uh, starting, so I started as a laborer and um, worked myself up to uh, becoming a corporate vice president.
0: Wow, so you really did start off as a laborer, oh, yes. an operator, and just cut your teeth. Pipe pole
1: and a shovel. at. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I want to
0: hear all about that journey. So if you can, I, maybe it might be a long story, but I, I'm into it. Do you want to describe your journey in force? Yeah,
1: it's, uh, well, let's put it this way. The journey, I think, started younger. Uh, everything that I did, I, we were poor, but we didn't have much money. And when we moved to Southern Ontario, so I I had to work, and so I started. Picking fruit. And um, as I worked for this farmer on the third year, I became his kind of uh, field supervisor. Uh, I worked uh, in a restaurant, I started as a dishwasher, I ended up to be head busboy and maitre d. I, I, everything, every job I undertook, I eventually became a supervisor or manager it, it, it was really funny and then i worked um, i i i paid for five years of a private school my parents didn't have the money and um it uh, <clears throat> uh, I wanted the quality of education. This is uh, the the old classical five year program where you had to learn Latin and every subject was compulsory. There was nothing that was uh, uh, an option and that's where I learned to. Uh, uh, I had the choice of uh, German or Italian. It was predominantly Italian so I chose Italian which I'm not sorry for today. Uh, but um, after I finished uh, high school I had no money to go to University, and there wasn't the culture in my family, mm-hmm. and so I went to work for um, it, what at the time was called F.W. Woolworths. And, oh, Woolworths? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Woolworths. And I started uh, down as a stock boy down in the basement and eventually became uh, associate manager. Uh, I won the associate manager of the year award uh, with Woolworths after three years. I had completed their management training program, which was a four-year program in two years. And... um, I wanted my own store, and uh, they said, you're too young, so I said goodbye. (laughs) Very brave, very brave. I I just, uh, uh, I was bored.
0: Yeah.
1: I wanted to do something more. I went and worked uh, for a company called Standard Tube of Canada and which was, uh, they made all of the exhaust systems for GM, Ford, the three big automakers. This was in Woodstock, Ontario.
0: Um, Quick question. Were those types of manufacturing jobs, I'll call them, readily available back then? Not
1: really. Not really. Uh, no. I
0: feel like there there's a boom, then a lull, then a boom, then a lull. This is what
1: happened. I got in. I was <clears throat> quality, uh, They had these aptitude tests and so on. So sure. I passed that, and and I I became a supervisor of quality control. And I was there for six months. It was really you're 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 talking about like 1972, where I'm making like over $600 a week. Wow! It was really money. awesome money it closed because of the automotive crisis as we have seen in 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 years 2000s uh, this happened at that time Mm -hmm. and so i i'm single i got my first car i packed up my in my car and i moved north i wanted to go back north i was a northern boy and especially, I lived in 11 different places in southern Ontario. I mean, some places I liked better. But I wanted to go north, and my parents were north. And so I I moved uh, to, to Miskaming, Quebec, and... Um, And then uh, uh, I had heard about this mill that was uh, closed by an international company and that uh, employees were buying it. And so I thought that was interesting and that there could be a future for me there. And so I applied and they told me, we can't hire you until we recall all the older employees. So I went and sanded roads. For for um, so I I moved it was November uh, and and so my dad uh, was working in the, uh, for a, a forest company called UOP and uh, he was in charge of road maintenance and so he says well you can sand roads and in those days they didn't have the sanders were a human being with a shovel in the back of a yeah, truck and throwing sand <laughs> on the road so anyways uh, I did that for a while and then uh, February eleventh seventy four uh, Tambek called me. And so they said, uh, in order for you to start working, you have to invest a thousand dollars. I didn't have that was a thousand dollars. money back then. So, yeah, it sure was. Sure. So I went to the bank and I said, I've got the job. I need a thousand bucks. So they lent me the money, and I started. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, like I mentioned, the 11th of uh, February, 1974. It was a 12th midnight. The 12 to 8 shift, it was close to like minus 35 and windy, and <clears throat> they had no orientation in those days. You just yeah. hard hatch, safety shoes, and gloves, and go out there with a pike pole and a shovel. And you had, and on an eight hour shift, you had a, a 15 minute coffee break and a half hour lunch. That's it. But and the pay was three dollars and 40 cents an hour.
0: Was that considered good?
1: It was lower than standards, okay. way lower than, than industry standards. However, the, the, um, uh, I think the incentive is that if the company is successful, we get profit share. Okay. Well, the first year, uh, I guess it was in, in um, June 75, uh, it had been a full year that the, the mill was in operation. They, we received a $4,000 bonus. I mean in those days that was a lot of money. Yeah. Plus the $1,000 loan gave me 500 shares and $500 dollars was kind of a loan to the company and we got a 17% return on that money. Like That's it was like high. wow, you know, I went buy a new car.
0: Fantastic.
1: <laughs> it was really uh, good money but as I worked I as uh, a laborer and, I, and it, it was what they called section 99 so you were uh, kind of uh, you would go wherever they needed they they had people missing and you'd go and work all over the mill mm-hmm. and I enjoyed working all over the mill I learned operations, I got to meet a lot of people but then I said to myself this is not what I want to do in my lifetime
0: yeah.
1: and uh, so there was an opening for the stores, now I had worked for Woolworths, so I knew what... (laughs) storage was all about and yeah. so on. And so I got the job. And uh, after a period of time, I, I guess I was, uh, I used to have up to eight people uh, at one time or other because they were doing a lot of construction in the mill and materials would come in that would work for me. And the, the, I'll never forget uh, Jim Chandler, who's the vice president uh, of manufacturing, at one of the founders of the company. He said to me, he says, you're really good in managing people. He said, why don't you go into human resources? Well, I had never thought about it, yeah. but I wanted to do more than what I was doing. And at that time, I, I was a bit disappointed like, that I wasn't moving further up. I decided to apply for uh, officers training in the, in the armed forces. Okay. And so I got accepted. And just before they called me for my medical, I met my wife. <laughs> She lived up in Timmins and I was in (laughs) Timisky. And so I, I, I fell in love with her, and I said, that woman, that's the woman I'm marrying.
0: <laughs> okay, big grin on my face, because I love these stories. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's funny, because, uh, it, you know, I had gone out with a lot of girls in my life, and this was the one I wanted in my life. And, and to travel four hours, it, was, it wasn't easy, sure. but two years. <clears throat> and so I told the forces, no, I'm not going and at the same time, this comment from Jim Chandler kept coming back in my head, that, mm-hmm. you know, why don't you go for human resources? And so I decided to take, it was one of the very, very first three-year programs by correspondence, a college program. Oh. Business administration with the option of HR.
0: The first, <laughs> I feel like this is, might be the first time I'm hearing about remote or, like, you know, a continuing type of education. Yeah. So that's that's fantastic. It right was the beginning and of it.
1: And the, and the company had a policy that they would reimburse you 100% that's upon amazing. successful completion.
0: That's amazing.
1: So, what I would do when I I would work, I, I got into. Um, I, 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 there was an opening for a personnel officer, which was uh, you. You were kind of a watchman in a sense, but yeah. at the same time, you did scheduling, absenteeism reports, all a lot of the, uh, some HR stuff. And when I'd work twelve to eight, I mean, I'd I'd do everything I'd had to do within an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. The rest of the time, I studied, and so I I completed my course in a year and a half. And when I, so I had this college degree, <laughs> and then uh, I got married, and um, I and I, I I remember I'll never forget Frank D'Antoni was the type of guy to walk in the middle at three o'clock in the morning, and I'm there washing the ceilings because I had nothing to do, and I'm singing a <laughs> singing in Italian. <laughs>
0: Opera and or what?
1: <laughs> Frank says that he says you're a pretty cheery person. I said, well, I said uh, you know even not, at three in the morning. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep on the job. I said, this was dirty, so I decided to clean it. He says, well, you know, he says uh, that's the type of people I want working this company. I said, by the way, I said you know I've mentioned this several times to a few people that I want to get in on management. And uh, he says, and I told him what I had done and everything else. And he says, oh, that's good. He said, uh, you know, we'll see when opportunity comes. Mm-hmm. About six months later, he comes in again. And I said, uh, you know, Frank, you know, nothing's happening. He said, young man, the first thing you've got to learn in life is patience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was like a slap in the face. I no have one to wants tell to you. hear that. I, it was like a slap in the face. I was so disappointed. But yeah. then I started realizing he's right. Yeah. You know, I have to bide my time and things will come up and surely it did the 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 personnel manager that was there retired and uh, so there was an opening for an assistant personnel manager and i got in and then um, the company uh, well frank more specifically i mean uh, uh, he believed in, in people and um, yeah, he uh, he sent me a. Um, there was um, uh, an executive uh, management program at uh, uh, this was Western, excuse me. And uh, he said, um, "Are you? Would you be interested in going?" It was twenty five thousand bucks. I said, this "Is the company paying?" He says, "Yes."
0: Then He's, yes, I will go. <laughs>
1: yeah. He says, "I think you have potential in this company, and um, if you want to go." i'm ready to send you and sure enough i went that was the first one i, I did uh, i did western he then a few years later sent me to queens which were very different programs mm-hmm. western was more the business
0: was it case at study. Uh, western ivy yes mm-hmm.
1: and queens was more of uh it was more about Psychology, managing people, changing yourself, strategic planning, which I led for over 20 years in the company. So, again, it was one of these three week programs. I did Penn State American Management Association in New York. So, I ended up getting a lot of high quality education, even though the requirements were a university degree, I passed all the SAT
0: tests. You know what? Something that you touched on and and something that I've noticed in the time that I've spent, because I've been to Horn Pain. And I've been to a couple other of our our mills. It's a space where you can certainly, if you want to, you can definitely grow and scale your career quickly. So it's the people who do put their hands up, you know what I mean, That, that the company will invest right back into them.
1: It's funny you say that because uh, <clears throat> right now the forest industry is undergoing. It's one of the locals, right. okay. And I'd probably be still working there if uh, because I developed what uh, I developed the framework for uh, Tony, who's the uh, the new president there, uh, for what I call. Uh, uh, Talent identification, employee retention, employee development, and succession plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the framework is there now, and I've told them. I said, if you you know if things get better, you want me to come and manage it and put it into place i'll do that but i'm in horn pain yesterday and i meet uh, i had met amber amber is a young lady that's taken over and and so i've
0: met amber yeah, yes she, she yes, has a lot
1: of potential yeah i said would you be interested because the eight, the hr manager left in getting into hr she said yes she said, I've, um, I'm have completing my Kanini HR, whatever program she's taking. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'd be very interested. Well, I said, I think you have potential. <clears throat> and so when I go back uh, home today, <clears throat> I'm going to call Tony and I'm going to say to, to Tony, Here's what I think you should do with uh, Amber. Uh, we had the discussion him and I about it before, and, th- and that's one of the things is uh, the the new president. Unlike like Frank and I, we, we spent a lifetime together. He's like my he's been my coach, my you know my mentor, my big brother. <laughs> right. I I never wanted to insult him and say my father, but <laughs> <laughs> and but um, you know I, I, I I've always been. Uh, I guess a good reader of people mm-hmm. and uh so uh Tony's has been very uh has questioned me on a lot of things uh, about people who people who I thought had the, the opportunity to grow and so on because it's very hard in these small communities mm-hmm. to attract people sure I mean you know horn it's at yeah. the end of the world <clears throat> there's nothing there yeah Yet it's a beautiful little community, and so on. So, so we need to. Um, you see, I'm still talking as if uh, White River is mine. <laughs> it's the way I've always been. Okay. But, but we need to to take local talent and build it. And that's how Tembeck grew. I mean, it it recognized the potential of people within the company, yeah. And it developed them. And and you know, I, I I've I've had a beautiful career thanks to. To people who recognize the fact that a person can grow.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also it's nice to see those opportunities in smaller communities and you don't necessarily have to leave. and You can reinvest in your own community by working for these companies. That's right. And both improving yourself and contributing. And you know,
1: uh, people think, uh, you know, uh, I have lots of family in the city, and uh, they think you know nothing because you're living in small rural towns. It's, it's totally different, because you have the opportunity to travel probably more. You're more worldly, I find, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if uh, if you take the opportunities, that it, pre- it presents you. And with Thambeck, I had that opportunity. We started in temiskaming and then uh, we got onto, into an acquisition phase. And that's where you know like uh, you have to seize opportunity when it comes and I, I can remember uh, when I became HR manager and I, we, Frank and I went to meet the, uh, the, the premier of Quebec at the time and we're coming back and I said to Frank I said I have this dream about what I think I can do for the company and, and I told him what my dream was. I wanted to play a role to effect change and to help people grow. <laughs> and to make not only the company, but the community successful, the region successful. Mm-hmm. And that was always Frank's dream also. Yeah. To be builders and to contribute to improving the quality of life of everybody at the same time, you bear uh, benefits.
0: See, you're touching on something that I've come across Quite a bit in my career, um, a very contemporary environment in that um, companies, big or small, are always trying to establish their culture. And that includes what goes on in the day-to-day, the rapport of the employees, do they see this as a place where they can build their career is this a learning space is it going to be stagnant and establishing that culture has been i'd say at the forefront of every organization that i've worked with so it's great Mm -hmm. to hear that you're establishing that within um like uh the companies that you work with now yeah well
1: you know the
0: there are companies that don't
1: that don't absolutely and 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 i know Because we would buy companies that, uh, you know, basically did not have that type of culture. And to say, and you go in and you say, now this is how we're going to operate. And Mm -hmm. no way, we don't do that. We've never done that. Well, you're going to change and do it.
0: (laughs) Because you know what? Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's just my opinion. But um, I find we, maybe it's my generation too, we are working more and getting less. Because we don't mm-hmm. hear about the long-term opportunities, we don't hear about growth within a company, so we're not invested. Because I know you're, you could cut me the second you can, versus growing a culture and having, you know, that uh, foundation for a community <clears throat> within that.
1: Whenever we would buy a place, and and after we we did the cultural change, so it, it depended on the place, the location. Uh, it took time, but when people would come up to you and say, "I'm no longer a number. I'm a person." Yeah, exactly. That's what we wanted to do. Exactly. Recognize you as an individual who contributes not only to the company, sure. but we're going to help you contribute to the community also.
0: Yeah,
1: and and that's that's. The, the role that eventually I ended up with. Because after HR, uh, I still, I always had under my umbrella HR. So I, I had um, functional authority, mm-hmm. okay, over human resources. Uh, I went, uh, Frank one day came up to me and he said, uh, we're going to start buying mills. And he says, I'd like you to uh, become... Director of Corporate Relations. I said, "What's that?" He says, "You're going to tell me what it is." We we were doing a lot of um, not only selling products but also buying uh, chemicals from a, a company that was uh, DuPont of Canada. Okay. And he said, uh, "I talked to the president at DuPont, and you're going to go spend a week at their Mississauga." head office. I went down and so I met with HR, I met with public relations, I met with uh, uh, investor relations people. I I spent a full week, learned a whole lot and came back and I put down on paper to Frank here's what it would encompass. So what it, it, it encompassed was uh, overseeing HR, mm-hmm. uh, having pu- the public relations function, having the investor relations function. The when you say corporate relations, it involves a client, it involves the suppliers. Yeah. And so it was a huge function. Uh, but that was my, my gift as I'm a people person. I get it. <laughs> and yeah. and I was a pro- people problem solver. I could any uh, anytime we'd have a problem, Frank would send me. And he'd send me with uh, carte blanche. So I had the authority also to do what needed to be done. But uh, we started doing these acquisitions, and then, um, so he, sp- he put me in charge of, um, you know, I'd have engineers, operation people, HR people, and so on. We'd build a team, and we'd walk in, and we would basically change the culture. And the first thing I did in every of the 55 acquisitions mm-hmm. is I would meet all of the employees. And I would spend over an hour and a half explaining to them what our culture was, how we were going to manage this company, and uh, how we would treat them as employees. Uh, my biggest problem I ever had was management. <laughs> biggest single issue in every mill was getting managers to change the way they were doing Do you do find
0: things. once they have that manager credential, <clears throat> all of a sudden the drive goes away?
1: No, nah, no. Nah. <clears throat> Not necessarily the drive. They think that they're superior.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So can not teach an old dog new tricks kind <laughs> yeah, of deal? <laughs>
1: type of thing. And and we're, we're talking about, you know, employee engagement. We're talking about employee participation, employees in the decision-making process. Yeah. That was like, wow, this is, you know, no way, this is threatening.
0: Which ultimately rolls up to retention. Because if the employees aren't enjoying the work, they can always leave.
1: Exactly, and you know, in the forest industry, all of your mills, whether it be pulp mills, paper mills, or sawmills, are in remote areas, and it's you. You don't have a huge labor market, and and especially like when you're talking about paper mills and pulp mills, uh, the the level of education has to be uh, post secondary and up. Right. Because of, of its complexity, of, of the technical issues. And now even so, sawmills, because sawmills have changed dramatically. When I look at White River, the, 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 the saw line and all that, it's not... It, jobs have changed. Right. And so you need to have people that are willing to change and willing to learn. And so you have to kind of put in a culture, that type of culture. And it's difficult.
0: More open-minded mm-hmm. people and... Yeah.
1: And, and you have people that just, they, they still believe in the old, uh, you know, uh, I'm a marine sergeant and you're going to march to my orders.
0: Right, right. Uh,
1: our philosophy was, you're a coach. You coach, guide, counsel. Yeah. And get the best of people because without good people, you're not going to be successful. You can have the best equipment, the best technology. You need good people.
0: Yeah. And I find especially now, maybe they might have been able to skirt those issues before, but not now. Yeah, in the past. Culture, gene. <clears throat> it's like it's like your operators and your employees can sniff it out as soon as they can tell that it's something something's askew here and you're not <laughs> you're being a little shady and I don't feel like my manager or whatever is has my best interests or that this company is not investing in technologies and I'm not becoming a better worker, whatever. Um, I do think it's, it's a little more clear. We'll continue our conversation with Charlie another day as he discusses navigating change, technology in manufacturing, women in manufacturing, and company culture. Until then, stay tuned for our next podcast, In Conversation.